In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. The heart of the Father is full of mercy and love. If you don't hear anything else, take that away. The Father's heart is full of mercy and love. This parable, above all other parables, stresses what Jesus came to tell us, to reveal the Father's heart to us that we would know the truth about God. And the truth about God, our Heavenly Father, is that His heart is full of mercy and love for each one of us. How important that is to celebrate. Well, this parable was told on a certain occasion. The occasion was that Jesus and his ministry began to hang out with the wrong type of people. He began to eat and drink and have companions that were just the lesser sort of people, just not the people that you would want to be found with, especially for the Pharisees. Those who did not keep the law for the Pharisees were called people of the land. And people of the land like these sorts, especially tax collectors and sinners, but even people that weren't notorious in those ways were people of the land and they were not to be trusted. You did not do business deals with them. You did not tell them secrets. You did not go on a journey. The Pharisees had a whole list of things that you could not do with these outsiders who just really weren't good enough, not the right type of people that you want to be around. And so Jesus told this parable to explain why it was necessary to celebrate the fact that sinners and tax collectors and just regular people were responding in repentance to the preaching of Jesus. So let's just look at this wonderful parable. It has been called the best short story ever written. And I think that it's true. We hear it, though, with different ears than those who listen to the words of Jesus. And I want to highlight the cultural cues to emphasize what is being said. Well, Jesus begins that the man has two sons, but the younger son does something completely shameful. He asks for his father's inheritance up front before the father died. In the shame and honor culture of the Middle East, and it's still this way really to a great extent, this was a shameful act. This younger brother has brought shame on the entire family that he would ask for the inheritance before his father has even died and was moving out of the house, not staying put in order to take care of his father in old age. But the father allowed it. Maybe the father even had to sell some land to some other family in order to cash out to give the younger son the money to go live his life in a distant country. The younger son wanted to have a party. He wanted to do his own thing. He wanted to live his own life. And so he left. But we all know that the money always runs out. And the party always ends somehow, doesn't it? And so he's in another country, stranded. And it even gets worse for this Jewish young man. He ends up 
having to feed the pigs. And it just doesn't get any lower for a Jewish young man to have to be tending to swine which are unclean. It even gets worse than that. He's so hungry, he's trying to steal, he's trying to steal the food from the pig so he himself can eat it. And then he comes to himself, he says, and he says, Ah, oh, my father has hired servants that they at least have enough to eat. I'll go back to my father, and I know I can't be a son anymore because I've blown it so bad. I've brought so much shame and dishonor on my family. I can't go back as a son. I won't go back as a servant of the household. I will go back as a hired servant. That was the lowest form of laborer, a day laborer. Not a part of the father's household, but someone that could be let go at any time and was just paid day by day. So that's his plan. So he goes and he returns to the father. But the father is waiting and searching for the son. The father, because his heart is full of mercy and love, is looking and longing for his son to return. And so he says... From very far off, Jesus says, this father saw the son returning. He could tell the gait of his son. He knew how his son moved. And then the father did something that was just unbelievable. He ran to meet his son. Now in that culture, men, prominent men, did not run. They walked. Children run around. Slaves may run around, but fathers had honor and dignity and they walked. They did not run after their sons who had shamed them. So people in that day and time heard this and thought, oh my gosh, he's running. He's running after his kid. Look at that. And then he falls on his neck and begins to kiss him, to kiss him and to love him. The father's heart is full of mercy and love. Welcoming this son back. Well, the younger son begins his planned explanation. I'm coming back. I've sinned against you and heaven. I can't be your son, but I just want to be a hired servant. And before you know it, the father just stops him and begins to have the slaves bring everything he needs. Bring the robe back, the best robe. Come and bring the ring, the ring that gives him the authority to buy and sell in his family. And put shoes on him because only servants run around without shoes. If you're part of the family, you have shoes. So he is totally restored, totally brought back into the family without question. And it even gets better than that. Kill the fatted calf. We're going to celebrate. We're going to have a party. Now, the elder brother is in the field. And he's coming back and he starts to hear the drum beats. And he starts to hear the music. And he starts to wonder, what on earth is going on? I, I didn't know we were going to have a party. That, uh, this is not planned. And so he asked one of the servants, what on earth is happening? 
Your younger brother has come home and we're throwing a party to rejoice because he was lost and now he's found. He was dead and now he's alive. And the elder brother is angry. The elder brother is angry because he's saying, now, wait a second. I've been the good guy. I'm the good son. I'm the one who's done everything right. I'm the one who has tried really hard and slaved away. And so the father realizes that the elder son is not coming in, which is another dishonor. No son would not come into the party if the father is inviting them. And so the father goes out to the elder son. Another incredible thing for people hearing this in that day and time, that the father's heart is reaching out not only to the younger brother, but now the father's heart is reaching out to the older brother, begging him to come in and join in the celebration. And the son says, no way, I've slaved away all of these years, and you've never given me any sort of party for my friends. Why didn't you do that? You know, the real truth is, is that neither son knew the heart of their father. The younger son didn't know the heart of his father. Maybe he wouldn't have left to go blaze his own trail and do his own thing and have his own parties. Maybe he would have stayed there if he really knew the heart of his father, which was mercy and love. The elder brother didn't know the heart of his father. Because if he had, he would have said, hey, dad, I want to have a party with my friends. Can, can, we, can we take a goat, get some musicians, and just have a great time? Because his father's heart full of love and mercy would have certainly said yes. So both sons don't know the loving heart of their father. The irony of this parable is, is that it ends with the prodigal being restored to a right relationship with his father. The elder brother, though, has become estranged from both the father and his brother. And the elder brother is putting himself outside of the celebration. Outside the celebration. It's an amazing thing, this parable. It tells us many things. It tells us that if we are like the prodigal son, and sometimes we are, that we can always come back. Why? Because the father's heart is full of mercy and love. As many times as we need to return back to the father, that's as many times as we will be restored. That's just how God is. It may not be dignified. It may not make any sense to us, but that's how good and wonderful the father is. And so if we find ourselves as the prodigal son or daughter, we can always return. And we are called to return again and again and again. If we find ourselves like the elder brother, we have some work to do on our hearts, as a matter of fact. Uh, let's consider these words from someone who is working at uh, their doctorate at Boston College. He says, 
If we know our own faults, we are not often tempted to think we're perfect. And I don't really know anybody who walks around saying, you know, I'm perfect. I'm perfect. He says our more subtle temptation is to think that we might be imperfect, but at least not as much as other people. You see, that's how we work it. We say, well, I'm not perfect, but I'm a lot more perfect than this person and that person and those people over there and these people over here. So therefore, I'm in a different class than them. I'm in a different position than them. I'm, I'm somehow different than them. He says, we measure our moral bearings over against the perceived flaws and excesses of others. They are like pedestals on which we prop ourselves up this pattern of thought twists the truth for the sake of our pride. It masks what really needs forgiveness and healing in our hearts. And it neither fools nor impresses God. That's sort of what the heart of the elder brother has to deal with. And if we're aligned with the elder brother, that's what we have to deal with also. Maybe we don't have all of these notorious sins uh, that, you know, make the headlines, but we have our own and we have our issues and we cannot put ourselves in a position of saying, well, we are certainly better than all these other people because our sins are somehow smaller or we're somehow different than other people. And so this Lent, there are three questions that I want to consider the first question is, are you at home with God? Are you at home in your heart with God? Or are you somewhere else? Are you far away in a distant country? Or are you at home, not really in relationship with God? Or just sort of dutifully doing your religious business and relying on that as some sort of counterfeit relationship with God. The great thing about the prodigal is, is he came back, understood the heart of his father, and he had a restored relationship. And Jesus said, anybody who has been forgiven much loves much. Because when we have nothing to commend ourselves to God, no pride, no works of our own, but we just have to lay it all out with God's love and mercy, we never forget it. We never forget that type of love. And therefore, we don't allow our hearts to become hardened to other people or think that somehow we're better than other people. So the second question is, do you know the Father's heart of love and mercy? Do you really know it? And it's so important. I'm still getting to know the Father's heart of love and mercy. And I've been studying it, I've been talking about it, I've been reading about it, I've been preaching about it for years. And the Father's heart of love and mercy is something that just goes on and on and on. And the third question is, is your heart becoming more like the Father's heart or more like the elder brother's heart? Those are great questions for our hearts, this Lenten journey that we're in. I do want to end with one thing. 
that reveals how the Father's heart of love and mercy can be seen in another part of Scripture completely. This is really, this is really wonderful. Please listen. Paul talks about love in the 13th chapter of the letter to the Corinthians. We've all heard this numerous times, but think about what we just heard about the Father's heart in this parable and how it coincides with what Paul says. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never ends. That's the Father's heart. Today we have the opportunity to receive the risen life of Christ, to come into our hearts, to help transform them to be just like the Father's heart. Amen. Amen.